I guess if you want, I can start and then you can jump in. But uh, welcome to the first ever episode of Push the Limits. For wedding photographers who want to push the boundaries of what they thought possible in their lives, how to be intentional with time, make more money, create art that inspires, and live life to the fullest. Yeah, that introduction was written by, by Josh, who I am speaking with right now. And Josh, I'm sorry, I just interrupted you. <laughs> no, please interrupt me all the time. Uh, <laughs> I, can, I can get long-winded. I just know that about myself. So it's better if you interrupt me and cut me off before I go off on my, my tangents. But for those of us who do not know you, who are you, Josh? Um, so, uh, my name is Josh Fournier. Uh, I am a wedding photographer. Uh, I work with my wife, Lady. We are together, the Fourniers, uh, fine art photographers that are based out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, but we shoot weddings, uh, internationally. We've been doing wedding photography together as a husband and wife team for four years now. I know that doesn't sound like a lot of time, but we've done quite a bit in the four years that we've been, uh, photographers. Um, we started from a place of, uh, not knowing anything about weddings, uh, not knowing anything about photography and grew to a, uh, hundred thousand dollar business shooting destination weddings in our first year. Uh, and from there, we, it just kept on growing. We, uh, eventually found our way into Vogue magazine. We shot our, uh, first celebrity wedding earlier this year in Ravello, Italy. Um, and we started a wedding photography biz, I'm sorry, uh, education side of our business for wedding photographers, uh, on our second year of business. Um, and that is a program that's been something I've been very passionate about. And um, that's uh, really where it has led us today. And uh, I think that uh, is how we met Tyler, right? That is how we met. So Josh is my mentor and also lady, right? Uh, so we met them through their educational program. We were specifically looking for a mentorship program that was for fine art photographers. So Alex and myself, Alex is my wife. We have a photography business together. We've been in business about two, two and a half years, I guess you could say, really the last two years. Uh, and Alex is more the creative side. So she wants this more fine art film-esque look. I'm more handle the business aspect. So she was like, we need to find a fine art mentor. She found you guys. And I, we actually had a call or some emails and I was really skeptical, right? I, I, cause at the time it was kind of a lot of money, right. To have a mentorship. And I knew we wanted one, but I was, I was pretty skeptical. And, uh, Alex and I were talking about it. And after you had sent us some emails and I liked, again, maybe this wasn't your sales tactic, but it worked on me, but you sent us these emails. And I remember asking, Hey, we're not sure if we want to do a mentorship or if we just want to do a bunch of styled shoots and, elevate our portfolio, right? And you you said, well, a mentorship is going to be really great, but if that's what you want to do, you should check these out. And you just sent us a bunch of information that we didn't ask for, but was really helpful. And I thought that was really nice of him. I really like that. I like that even without having ever met us, knowing really nothing about us, he was willing to spend a little bit of time to give us some information that might we might find helpful, whether or not we end up being your mentees. And so, yeah, so we decided, Alex and I decided that if we truly want to grow our business, what we were doing wasn't working to get us to the next level, right? We, we knew where we were at. We knew where we wanted to be, 
but we didn't know how to get there. And so, well, we need help. And we decided to, to become your mentees. And honestly, I think in this last year, I think that was the best decision we made uh, for our business this last year. And so if anyone out there is looking for a mentor, a mentorship program, education, I can't recommend Josh highly enough. And obviously we're here talking today. And so, yeah, that's kind of how we met. Uh, I'm located with my wife. We're located in North Carolina. Uh, we travel kind of all along the East Coast, but mostly in North Carolina right now, we're trying to get more into the destination and international weddings as well. So that was another reason where we were drawn to you and Lady. Yeah. Well, thanks, Tyler. That's a really nice introduction. I really appreciate it. And uh, it's funny that we just got on this podcast saying that we love podcasts that give us information that are not sales calls. So I uh, promise this is not like a uh, sales pitch for uh, the mentorship program that I offer. Uh, though, if you're interested, you're more than welcome to uh, reach out, but we really have a great discussion today where I think it's going to be very valuable for our listeners to um, learn a little bit about um, how they can grow their own business. Yeah. And that was, that was the, really the thought of doing this. I had reached out to you and I said, Hey, Josh, I have a podcast idea. And I know that you were thinking about and are planning on creating more YouTube content. And it, really the idea is just helping others and helping myself and other people maybe in our situation that are just trying to get to the next level, right? Whatever that level might be in their life, in their business, whatever that is. And uh, I always learn a lot from talking with you and from discussing things with you. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. And yeah. you mentioned that this kind of actually goes into the topic today, I feel like, where you mentioned how a lot of podcasts and educators are always selling and that's great that's their job they're they're trying to have a business and they're selling their stuff but a lot of the stuff that they sell might not be have might not have any substance and it you, sometimes you don't realize what's going to have substance and what doesn't until you buy it and i know for us when we were starting out our business we bought a lot of subpar educational content and today i want to talk about if you were starting your business today over, right? Like you had to start now, what were the three things you would do first? For me, one of those things would not be by subpar educational content. Well, I did a lot of that when we started ours. Okay. Do you want to expand on that a little yeah. bit? Tell me like, what is subpar? And obviously we are not going to name drop and like throw anybody under the bus because I think that at the end of the day, most educators are well-intended and they hope to create content um, that is helpful for their uh, students. Though I think some of us maybe are a little bit better educators than others. Um, and uh, education hits everyone a little bit differently. But I know for me, I can totally agree with you. There's been content that I have gone through that I felt was maybe a little bit lacking. And honestly, some of that content is what's inspired me to get into education to begin with. Uh, for wedding photography is that I thought, man, there's got to be a way to do some of these things a little bit better. Um, so tell me, like, what do you feel was subpar about some of that education? And maybe I'll share what I thought. Yeah. So I think, especially when you're purchasing education, when they stay at a very generalized level, but don't go into actionable items, right? So you need to post on Instagram, right? And you need to do this. And everyone knows I need to do that. But my question might be, well, how do I create reels, right? Or how do I come up with 
creative content or creative captions that are going to encapsulate my brand and give me some of those questions and ideas that are going to help me drive, not just do it for me, but teach me how to do it myself. And a lot of the, when I think about subpar content, I'm using this Instagram as one where you need to create reels, right? That's really important. Post every day. So they'll give you this information, but they don't really tell you or ask you questions or teach you how you can do that in an effective way, right? And Instagram is one example, but you could apply that to so many aspects of, of the business. You need to reach out to wedding vendors. Okay, cool. Obviously, like I'm a new business I've never talked to like a wedding venue before besides when I've shot them. How do I reach out? How do I develop that relationship? Right. And there are really great ones that I think give those actionable items. And at the end of the day, the educator can't do it for you. Right. They, they can't grow your business. You have to do it yourself. Uh, So they can only teach you and you need to do it yourself. But when they don't really help you take that first step, that's when I feel as if they're subpar. So that's my definition of of subpar education. Does that align with what you think as well? Or yeah, absolutely. And we should probably let the audience know that we didn't come together and share our ideas. We knew the topic at hand, but we didn't know like the points we're going to share. <laughs> we didn't like come together and like I'm going to do these three. What are you going to do? Nothing like that. So. Uh, yeah, I found that some of the education that we did, we took a lot, we did a lot of education very early on. And I do attribute part of that to our success. Um, our background comes from a place where we were just used to absorbing lots of information, applying it very quickly. So we just took course after course, after course, after course. Um, and, um, because I have a a master's degree in medicine, that's where I went to what I did for school. I've gone through a lot of uh, courses, not just photography, but just a lot of schooling in general and had a lot of educators and the ones, the educators that I found really resonated with me were the ones who gave me information, told me why it was relevant, and then gave me some way to apply it and made it actionable. So education that isn't actionable, I found, uh, is just, it's useless. It's inaccessible to you. Uh, And that was something that I experienced as I got into wedding photography is that there was a lot of generalized information without making it very actionable to the learner. Um, And so through a process of trialing and error, I developed my own process for using certain things and then turn that around into uh, applying that for my students. So and Tyler, you maybe have experienced this whenever we end a module, or at least when I do, I always end that with action steps. Like here's the information. This is what I think you should do to apply it. Um, so that there's at least some guidance with that. And the reaching out to vendors one, I think is interesting because my first point, <laughs> uh, things I could do differently would be more intentional about reaching out to vendors. So, but let me explain what I mean by that. Not just like general, because there's a lot of information out there that says, just reach out to vendors, like reach out to wedding planners. And that's a great and all, but to create genuine relationships with something that as a new photographer, I was maybe a little intimidated to do. So a new photographer in a local market, I was afraid to reach out to a wedding planner and be like, Hey, you want to be friends and not saying that you should do that. Uh, but if I could do it all over again, I, um, I realize now that even some of these, uh, wedding planners and vendors that I really put on a pedestal, I know them now. And they're just people just like me, just like lady, just like Tyler, um, who are just trying to grow their own business too. And, uh, I'll, and it can be lonely in the wedding industry. Um, especially if we don't have a community to connect with, uh, if we are just working at home, editing away, 
uh, not knowing anybody in our local market, um, having somebody that is just interacting with you on Instagram in an authentic way, uh, having the ability to connect with someone um, can go a long way. So what I would do differently if I could start all over is to um, not have an agenda. Um, I think this is where a lot of um, photographers or other uh, vendors get this wrong is that they think like, I need to reach out to a planner and I need to ask him out for coffee. And I need to like, you know, make sure I got to get down their um, preferred vendor list. And while that's all nice and everything, just try to be someone's friend. Um, just, you know, interact with them as real people, you know, they're out there, if they've worked on a wedding and they're showcasing on an Instagram, like, yeah, they want uh, that particular planner or designer wants to market to a, a new client, but they're also probably really proud of the work. I mean, I don't know how many times we've posted photos and, you know, we don't necessarily need a bunch of inquiries from that, but maybe we're just really proud of the picture that we took and we wanted to share it with a, with an audience. Um, so just being genuine and interacting with uh, wedding vendors, and it doesn't have to be just vendor or um, wedding planners and venues. It can be just vendors in general, um, just to make more friends in the marketplace. It's funny that you said that, that was your first one, because that was also my first one. Uh, yeah. That's something that, and I, I really like the word you used when you talked about it, where you said intentional relationships. Uh that's something that Alex and I are doing now, right? We're a little, we're two years late, but we're trying to do that more now where we're trying to develop intentional relationships. And I think you really hit it on the head. It, it kind of is a lonely business sometimes, especially if it's just you or the junior wife, you end up doing everything together. And sometimes you just need to have friends and to work with people that understand what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And so that was, that was my first one was I actually wrote develop meaningful relationships. Uh, and I think that can be with, with other photographers, other vendors. Um, and for me, one thing that we've done this year, cause that's been a, one of our goals. Uh, like I said, when we started being your mentees, we started creating more goals on what we wanted to create and do. And it was kind of a reset for us. So what we're talking about today is kind of, uh, a reset, but developing these relationships. So we started second shooting a lot. So any day we didn't have a wedding, if there was a photographer that we wanted to work with, we would reach out to them and say, Hey, like, just so you know, if we're ever available, we'd love to second shoot for you. And it was really interesting because we, for the first two years, we did a lot of weddings, but we never second shot. This year, we have second shot almost on every weekend where we weren't shooting a wedding. We were second shooting with someone else, not every weekend, but a lot of them. But it's interesting how now I feel like I have a lot of photographer, photographer friends in the area where they'll reach out to me and say, hey, I know you're busy this weekend, but do you know anyone that that isn't? And then I'll say, oh, I'm not, but let me send this other photographer that I've worked with in the past. And so it's just a really cool way to develop these meaningful relationships. And that's just one way with photographers. But I found that having those meaningful relationships makes, makes it really a lot more worthwhile and makes a sense of community. And I don't think it directly correlates with, or I'm sure it does, but it might not directly correlate always with getting more bookings. But I do think there's an indirect correlation with what you put out is what you receive back, uh, karma and all of that. And by putting out those good vibes and being kind to others and developing those relationships, you're going to get so much more back than, than you ever thought. And so 
I agree with you. That was my number one too. Oh, many okay. So let me just clarify. That was your number one or was um, the uh, not investing in uh, too much education your number one? So it's interesting. That's a, that's a good clarification because we were kind of talking about that before. So my number two goes along with what we were talking about before. I actually think while you're developing meaningful relationships, I think it is really important to invest in education. And so that's my number two meaningful education that might be a mentor right i look back and i think if we when we had started if we had reached out to you and lady two years ago right right when we started where would we be now and and a lot of times when you're starting a new business and this is how it was for us you think oh i can do this myself or i don't want to spend this money on this or you might not have money to spend on that and you end up just spinning your wheels and never really moving forward now Some people are really good at that and really have the direction. Like you and lady just took it off and that's amazing. And that's wonderful. Most of us might not be quite like that. And so we need that help or at least, hey, here's where you're at. Here's where you're going to be. How can you get there? Right. And so I think investing in meaningful education or a mentor early on can really give you a boost that few things can and I also think that it does help develop relationships as well. So going back to my number one, by having a mentor, you then meet other people that are going through what you have and you never know where that might take you. So that's that's my number two, which is what we also talked about. <laughs> okay. Let's just finish your list then, Tyler. What would okay. you go on to say is number three? And then my number three is going to be photograph as much as possible so you can figure out and find your style and what you are, right? I feel like we have the same list, but we just didn't call each other. So I we think didn't for talk future podcasts, we're going to have to collaborate on our list a little bit. <laughs> so we're not the same. Okay. Um, and I'll be brief things. I'll let you, if this is going to be similar to yours, I'll let you yeah, explain yeah. yours. But mine is, I feel as if, and this, this Alex, my wife is amazing. She's more the, the, the creative expert. But I feel as if so much of our first year and a half was just just deciding who we were as wedding photographers, right? And I think a lot of that discovery and decision could have happened a lot quicker. And had we made that discovery a lot quicker, I think we would have known who our ideal clients were, what our ideal wedding was. And that's what we could have been marketing towards and branding towards much earlier on versus what we're doing now right two years in so we could be a lot further than we are right now if we had just hey here's who we are and the only way you can know that is by photographing a ton trying out different things and deciding what resonates with you so yeah that's my list (laughs) (laughs) well uh i would share my list but i'm pretty sure you just hacked my computer copied my list and then uh, have you ever like got a test back and looked over and your neighbor had like the same ones wrong you're like wait a second no i'm just giving you a hard time tyler uh yeah mine is more or less the same thing so um my first point was to be more intentional about those relationships with other vendors and that can include wedding photographers that's a great point um i didn't add that in there um and i should mention that i asked lady what she thought she would put in this list And she said she would do more second shooting because that's something we did not do in our first two, even like, I don't think we did that for the first until year three, the end of year three. And it's not because we needed the money or anything like that. 
At that point, Lady just wanted to create a relationship with another photographer that we liked in our industry, in our local market. Uh, so she uh, jumped on a second shooting opportunity just to be with that person and hang out with them. Um, so yes, working with other photographers uh, through second shooting is a great point. My second point was to spend a little bit more time on being intentional on your artistic voice early on. Um, and that's just a very, maybe a little bit more complicated way of saying your style. Uh, because like you mentioned, Tyler, that does affect everything you do. And it's uh, interesting because the podcast or the uh, mentorship call that I, oh, gosh, um, the mastermind, <laughs> we do a lot of stuff, right? The mastermind uh, talk that I just finished with the Elevate group today was on finding your artistic voice and how that relates to your brand words. Um, and when you find your particular style of things, the, the thing that you're really going after, the work that really resonates with you, that's going to help you stand out from the crowd of other photographers. It's going to help you find your niche within the wedding industry. Um, because a lot of the photographers that we look up to and that we admire, um, what we're really admiring about them is just their ability to be authentic and to create work that's uniquely um, their own. Yep. I think that's, you articulate things, I think a little bit better than maybe I do. I think the way you said that was perfect. And uh, it you going through the mentorship program with you, we had to come up with our, our brand words, right? And yeah. that was a really good exercise. And so if you've never done that, if you don't know what your artistic voices, and this is kind of what you said that the mastermind group is doing this week is they're looking at their images and coming up with their own brand words. But it's a really powerful thing of what am I creating? Like, what am I putting out there? What are the vibes or the words that describe my art? And is that what I want to actually create? Right. And so for us, as we were talking about it, we were looking and Alex kept wanting, she really loves this editorial style. But the more we thought about it, the work we were creating and what we want to create on wedding days isn't as much editorial, right? It's much more joyful, actually, or much more romantic than editorial. And just deciding that now when we look at our website or our Instagram feed and when we're posting things or, or updating things, we'll ask ourselves, is this adventurous? Yes or no? No. Okay. We might not want to do it. Is it joyous, right? Or joyful? Yes or no? Is it romantic? Those are our three, adventure, romantic, and joyful. And so if it's not one of those three things or can't fit in those type of things, we just won't post about it. We might still really like the work and maybe it'll go on our story or on something else. But like you said, doing that early on and having those thinking about that. And we did this a lot later, only once we had you as a mentor. And it, it really did change the whole way we thought about it and looked at everything about what we were creating and putting out there. And I will say, it's really interesting. We updated our website. We did a bunch of things. And this year is the first year in the two years where we are consistently getting inquiries now. And I think it's because people are seeing that we actually have a brand voice now. Whereas before it was kind of a little bit of everything. And so it's hard to, to have confidence in what you're going to get if you're seeing everything. Whereas when you look at you and lady, you know what you're getting, right? Okay, this is who they are. And and creating that early on, I think, is is extremely beneficial. 
Yeah, it's also very challenging to do. And I'm really proud of you, Tyler, because you guys are figuring this out pretty early on in your business. And it's, I mean, it might seem kind of late for you. You're like, man, we've done these things already, but really, truly, it's very early in your business to be finding this out uh, because there are a lot of photographers who spend years and years and in, in almost never figure it out. Um, so it's fantastic that you are uh, doing the work now uh, because it's going to really pay off in the years to come because you will have that time to experiment with different things and learn what it is that you really like about the work that you're producing. And that's going to help you hone that voice even better. My final point is um, not just education. My last point was to hire a mentor, actually. Um, and... <laughs> It's not just because I have a mentorship program that I uh, I'm offering to sell. I genuinely believe, and this is why I, one of the reasons why I got into mentoring other photographers, because like you, Tyler, when Lady and I mentored um, with somebody else, obviously we didn't mentor ourselves. Um, we saw a huge growth in our business and it gave us the ability to see things differently. We were kind of in our own like little box of operating, you know, we took our courses and yeah, we have Facebook communities and stuff like that, but there's just something different about having somebody come in with more experience to look at the way you're operating your business and to make suggestions that they confidently know are going to work because maybe it's worked for them, it's worked for their other students. Um, and it gives you the confidence to apply that, that uh, same education too. And when you work with a mentor, they're able to ta uh, tailor some of the education to you specifically, which of course is, as I'm creating our own course, finding that it's a lot more difficult because somebody can come into this course with maybe six months experience, one year, 10 years, and you have to find uh, uh, information that's going to work for all of them. And it's going to be a little bit different. What works for somebody in their first year is going to be very different from something that works for somebody in their 10th year of business, where a mentor can come in and say, all right, you're at this particular stage. Uh, I've seen this before. This is what you need to do to get to the next level, um, at least the next level of where you want to be in your business. And it can help you get there so much faster than uh, figuring out on your own. I do believe most people could get there on their own. It just takes a lot longer. Uh, and you can uh, shortcut a lot of that by working with somebody. And I, everything you said, 100% agree with. Yes. I'm going to add one thing I thought of too, as you were explaining it. The other thing I think that really helps when you have a mentor is it holds you accountable, right? And I think when you're just trying to do it yourself, it's really, unless you are a very, and there are people that are very good at holding themselves accountable, right? Uh, but it's hard to hold yourself accountable sometimes, right? I mean, it's easy to make excuses. And when you do have a mentor, you know, okay, I'm going to be on this call with this person in four days. And one thing I appreciate, I, it's, it's, I really, the, your teaching style really hits well with me, really resonates well with me because I do love that you have those action items, especially when you're mentoring with Josh, he'll have basically a whole deck, a whole PowerPoint type deck. And the last slide is just like, here's what I saw. I could the actionable items. Here's what my, I recommend. And so before our calls, I'd look at it, the actionable items and think, okay, did I do that? No. Did I do that? Yes. And then I think about it. Well, can I still do that? Yes. Do I want to do that? No. And having that accountability, I think is one of the things, like you said, you can do it yourself. And I think Alex and I could have figured a lot of this out on our own but it would have taken a lot longer. And I think the time it would have taken longer is because we wouldn't have been as accountable. There wouldn't have been those deadlines 
And so I agree with everything you said. Yeah, and I have three more bonus points, Tyler. I don't know if this is going on too long. No, Um, not for me, maybe for everyone else that's listening. (laughs) I, as I was putting this together, I did the three things that I would do differently. And then, uh, or like I would actually do, and then there's three things I would avoid. So maybe three mistakes that I made um, that weren't necessarily the mistakes, but I would just do them differently or, or not do them at all. So the first thing I would do differently um, is to be less concerned about pursuing publications. Um, when Lady and I first started our business, we thought that we had to, we're new photographers. We're like fighting to just prove ourselves in a way. So we thought we had to pursue these publications as a photographer is seeking a particular, any kind of publication in general, I found didn't necessarily grow our business the way I thought it would. All of it helped a little bit, but what I, what we believed is that we had to get these publications done in order for like wedding planners and other vendors to see us as credible in order to recommend us. And that wasn't true at all. Um, of all the planners that we became and are really good friends with, uh, none of them knew anything about our publications. And the only thing they cared about is if we're good people, um, we show up and we work hard and that our pictures are of their style and stuff that their clients would like. And that was it. And so the publications at the end of the day, uh, while they're really nice to have, um, didn't make the big difference that we thought. And we spent a lot of time and energy pursuing those. Um, another thing that I would go back and maybe change a little bit would be, uh, some of the compromises we made. So we never did anything like egregious, but if there was a particular wedding and the client was maybe like not in the budget or travel was just like a little bit too much, we sometimes compromised just a little bit more than we normally would to get that, uh, particular wedding. And every time we did that, another wedding eventually would come along either for the same date or later that year that we felt was like another step up. And so when we got time, we'd always show up, we'd always work hard. No clients would ever know that um, we maybe felt a little slighted, but deep down inside are like, "Ah, we shouldn't have like, we shouldn't have bend as much as we did for that. Uh, Because now we put ourselves in a position where um, we are, uh, we're feeling like we shouldn't have done that. Um, and that hasn't happened a ton, but it happened a couple of times and enough to the, I know now that even like, as an inquiry comes in, if it's something like, I'm like, oh man, this is it. This is going to be the big break. It's, it's never as big of a break as I, I think it might be, uh, in the moment. And there's a little bit more, uh, emotion tied up into that. So I wouldn't make as many compromises for weddings. Now I want to preface this too. I don't want to say that you should never like negotiate or ever work with a client or ever like comp travel. Um, there are times that I think, you know, when is a good time to do that, but there's also a limit where you start to feel like, ah, you know, when you're bending a little bit too much, um, and it's important to have those healthy boundaries. And the last point I want to make about, uh, uh, things that I would avoid would be to limit the number of style shoots. We did a bunch of style shoots early on. Um, again, this was a whole thing of us trying to like prove to uh, the, to mostly just ourselves that we were good photographers, right? Um, because anybody that we worked with would have said that we're really, really good and they really liked us. But we shot a ton of style shoots and like new style shoots would pop up all the time. And there's this degree of FOMA, like we wanted to go to the style shoot because maybe some of our friends were going to. Um, and we felt like we had to shoot those things in order to have like a higher end brand. And I think that a couple style shoots are good for a portfolio. Uh, they're really great to have those additional details. They can help elevate your brand, especially when you're at a stage of your business that, um, you're still growing, uh, and maybe some of the details aren't at the weddings that you're shooting. 
Um, but there is a limit. And after a handful of those, if you have too many style shoots in your portfolio, things start to look inauthentic to clients and it actually can hurt you, which is kind of like sad. You spend all this money and you put so much of the time into these style shoots. And then at the end of the day, you're not booking clients uh, because your uh, portfolio just doesn't look like real weddings anymore. They're mostly models. Uh, and so when a client lands on your website, what they're really looking at is your art and they're looking at the ability to connect and see if that art resonates with them. And if there are just a bunch of models and there's no, there, the, the, the client prospective client isn't going to see things that he or she is really looking forward to in their wedding day. And that could be like maybe mom crying or uh, their bridal party uh, really excited about them getting married or all their friends and family at the reception um, or the church that they're going to get married in. All those, those specific things that are very unique to those weddings aren't going to be in a portfolio that's simply just style shoots. That one's really tough because... Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. And that one's hard because there's this fine line, like you, you even said it, of getting your portfolio to a point where it's attracting who you want to attract, like what those people are, but still being authentic. Mm -hmm. And... I think we're going through that a lot right now. It's funny because we wanted to elevate our portfolio. So we signed up for salad shoots and then we just kept signing up for salad shoots. And there's so many, I'm just thinking, oh my goodness. <laughs> and some of them too are just, uh, uh, the last couple has been funny because Alex was really excited about them all. But the last couple Alex has said, ah, can we just sell this ticket? Do we, do we have to go? Yeah. Um, but I think that that is a really, I think, I think for me, when I think about starting a business again, and even now at the growth stage where Alex and I are at, every decision is, is this going to, is there going to be a return on the investment? At least that's how I think about it. Right. So I'm, I'm putting this money in, what is my return on investment with it? And I think the first couple of style sheets, there was a large return on investment because, okay, we want to create this content that attracts these type of weddings and we didn't have a lot of that maybe right or we 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 did but maybe we weren't showcasing it in the proper way or maybe we need to re-edit some of the weddings we were doing and then the further you on you go it is true though i feel like that return on investment just kind of diminishes more and more with every style sheet you do yeah there are certain style shoots um at certain stages of your business that are very helpful uh, but there again is a limit. And I have a philosophy that I, I know a lot of photographers struggle with this because they look at their weddings that they're shooting and they look at some other photographer that's um, they really look up to and they see the details and they see the difference of details. They say, well, this photographer is showing this like gorgeous designer dress. It's at this villa in Tuscany um, that is a $50,000 diamond ring. And they feel like they need those details too in order to create work that's just as beautiful. And that's not true, not necessarily. So yes, that photographer that you're looking at is going to be booking clients at a, a little bit of a higher price point. Um, but in order for them to get to that point, it wasn't because they're showing those details, not entirely, that got them there. It was because going back to your artistic voice, that photographer found a way to express their own uh, viewpoint of the world through their camera as their art. 
And that's something I would encourage photographers to really think about is it's not just the details that you're shooting. Because if that were the case, think of that like celebrity photographer, if they showed up on your wedding day that you were shooting, they're just like, hey, what's up? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some of photography here today. I would guarantee that they would produce some images that are just stunning. That we would look at that and go like, oh my gosh, that's gorgeous. Like, how did they do that? And it's because it's not because of the details. It's not because of the gear. It's not because of their settings. Like, yes, they have some skill. They've been doing it for a while, but they've found a, a way, a process in order to create work that's true and authentic to them. And anybody can do that at any wedding, regardless of how, um, how we might put it in a hierarchy of budgets. Does that make sense? Yeah. That is true. And uh, that's one thing that we've tried to do this last year specifically. And I think this is good advice in general is treat every wedding like it's the wedding that you want to be booking, right? And so I think regardless of the budget, it could be whether it's $1,000 or $10,000 or 100000 If you treat the $1,000 wedding like it's a $10,000 wedding, you're going to create much better images that you're proud of. And when we really make a conscientious effort to do that, even when the details might not be designer details, our detail photographs always are better than when we go in. And it's easy sometimes to be discouraged. You see the details, you're like, oh, this is what they are. And, uh, but like the bride and groom, and I, you mentioned something in the mastermind last week that I think was really profound, where at the end of the day, it's not about us too. It's about the bride and groom, right? Or the bride and bride or the groom and groom or the, the wedding. It's about them, the couple. And sometimes it's easy to show up and be like, oh, the details aren't these designer and be disappointed. And, but they might love them. And that's what they're super proud of. And so by thinking about them, it's easier to create more meaningful art. And then like you said, let your voice come out. So I really like that. And so those are just some of the words of wisdom Josh has shared. The last couple of weeks with me <laughs> remembering it's not about you it's about them and i i do think though though like you said by doing that you can create beautiful art even in some of those lower budget weddings that you don't need to go to a style sheet to create yeah because what you're truly capturing in that moment is what the whole reason why you're there to begin with hopefully it's two people who absolutely love each other hopefully um, as they're celebrating that union together. So we have this advantage of having this really raw, authentic emotion that all of our couples share for each other. And if we're focusing on that emotion, even if the wedding is, like you said, Tyler, maybe a thousand dollar budget wedding, um, which is pretty small by today's standards, the couple still absolutely loves each other. And if you are um, comfortable enough uh, in your skills as a photographer, you can find ways to capture that love in a, in a genuine, authentic way that's going to not only resonate with your couple, it's going to resonate with anybody you share that with because we all love to see love. Like it's a universal language. When we see that, it, it, it speaks to all of us. Um, and so capturing that emotion, that connection uh, is something that I think we should always be pushing ourselves to do. Um, it's going to look different for each couple and that's where we have a little bit of a challenge because we can't just say what love looks like for this couple is going to look the same for this couple looks the same for this couple. They have their own unique way of expressing that, but finding that unique way that they share it with each other and capitalizing on that 
is uh, I think the the real skill of what makes a, a talented photographer talented. And that's why some of these celebrity photographers we think of can just show up to almost any wedding and and make images that look beautiful and gorgeous. So yeah, I love that. That's really true. Well, this is great. I feel like I've learned a lot and I am more excited to continue implementing I think it's hilarious that we had basically the same list. And uh, I mean, yeah, that's what we should do. So that's what I had. I'm just really grateful. I love what you say at the end. I wrote, I made some notes too, uh, to to implement. But yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, if, if someone is interested, again, this is not a sales pitch. I just can't speak enough about having you as a mentor. So if you're in that stage, you're starting your business and you need a mentor, right? Or you're thinking about it. I can't speak highly enough for Lady and Josh. So if someone wants to have you as their mentor, they're starting their business, where do they go? They can find us on our website, ladyandjosh.com. And I should say it's not L-A-D-Y, but maybe I should buy that URL. Lady's name is spelled L-E-I-D-Y. So ladyandjosh.com. <laughs> okay, perfect. And again, no sales. I just, I can't speak highly enough about having you as a mentor. I feel like it's changed our business this year. So it's awesome. Yeah. And thank you, Tyler, for creating this opportunity for us to do this podcast together. Yeah. So I look forward to our next call. I know, me too. So we'll see you all next week. And uh, I'll see you next week as well, Josh, on the Mastermind Group. And have an amazing day. Yeah, you too, man.